mercy and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for he is gracious. Let us pray. O mighty and majestic God, who resides over your creation in glory and splendor, whom the angels in heaven and all the blessed who have gone before us praise, grant us here in our poverty the grace to worship you in righteousness and to serve you according to your good pleasure. May we stand in your presence with true reverence, with a heavenly mind, and with faith adore your glory. Lift up our thoughts and desires to yourself, sanctify our worship, bless our service, and may the praise of our lips be pleasing to you. Hearken to our prayers before the throne of your mercy, and bestow upon us in your grace all things necessary for our blessedness. All of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Our first hymn is number four, All Praise to God Who Reigns Above.
we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let us now, having heard these words from the first letter of John, this assurance of our confession of sin, let us confess our sins before Almighty God. Most holy and merciful Father, we acknowledge before you our sinful nature, which is prone to evil and slow to do good, as well as to confess all our shortcomings and offenses. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, wasting your gifts, and forgetting your love. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. We are ashamed and sorry for all wherein we have displeased you. Teach us to hate our errors, cleanse us from our secret faults, and forgive our sins for the sake of your dear Son. Help us to live in your light and walk in your ways according to the commandments of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please stand for the assurance of pardon. People of God, hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of universal acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus is our advocate with the Father and the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I declare to you as a minister of the gospel that all those who confess their sin and truly repent of their sin, turn from it and want to follow Jesus Christ, are truly forgiven of all their sin. This is the good news of the gospel. We say together, praise be to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when God created the first man and woman, he united them, and the scripture tells us, Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. From this comes the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. And Jesus ratified the union of a man and a woman in marriage when he said, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Our society thinks of intercourse superficially, and I might add self-centeredly. Marriage, as God has instituted it, is an all-encompassing union. I read something that put it very well. The, The marital union unites a man and a woman at every level of their persons, heart, mind, and body, for the body is part of the person. It's not just a tool. Therefore, sexual intercourse is not just a way of feeling closer to someone. It alone can seal a marriage, a comprehensive bond, by extending a total union of heart and mind, including total commitment, into the bodily dimension. We are not all called to marriage, but we are all called to uphold it as a God-ordained good for men and women and for our society. Do not give in to the dissolution of marriage in our culture. Honor what God has given to human relationships, for this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. And let us say, Amen. Our hymn is number 645, Jesus, the Very Thought of Thee.
Let us come with intercession and petitions to our Heavenly Father. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ, you taught us to pray and to offer petitions to you in his name. Give us and guide us by your Holy Spirit so that our prayers for others may serve your will and reflect your love in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you have given us your Son to be a light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And we pray for the Jewish people. May the hope of Israel be fulfilled in Christ and all the nations come to the brightness of his rising. We also pray that the conflict and the, the great uh, threat to Israel and to the people in Palestine would be put to an end, that Hamas would be... Um, their power and their um, purposes, malevolent purposes, would be stopped. We also pray for Christians and churches that are following false teaching. Grant that the light that shines in Christ will be the judgment and restoration of the church. So here are our prayers. We pray for Jews and for Christians. Merciful God, we bless you for the church and for the fellowship and wisdom that we have found in her. May she be in truth the bride of Christ. Give her faithfulness as she waits for the coming of the Lord. Especially we pray for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Keep her teaching faithful to your word. Make her ways loving, her witness effective, and may she grow and mature. 
We pray for the ministers of our presbytery who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, for Adam Mostella, Stephen Pribble, Doug Dahl, and his wife Belinda with her chronic illness. Bless these ministers in their work and make their labors fruitful for the congregations they serve. Hear our prayers for those who minister in your church. O Lord, we pray for the rulers of this world, for kings and emperors, presidents and dictators, both for those who have helped the church and those who have persecuted it. We pray for King Abdul Aziz in Saudi Arabia, Prime Minister Narendra Modi in India, President Raisi in Iran, Rishi uh, and uh, Rishi Sunak, Prime Minister in England, for Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister in Israel, for Vladimir Putin, President in Russia, for our President Joe Biden, for South Korea and its President Yoon Suk Yul. Give to them wise counsel for good policies and a desire for peace and just rule. We pray this, O Father, so that the church and all people may live in peace and with mutual concern under their governments. And we pray you would remove wicked leaders around the world and raise up new governments in Cuba, Syria, Russia, and North Korea. Here are our prayers for the nations of this world. And now we do pray for the members of this congregation who are ill or distressed or with particular challenges before them. We pray for Leah and Frida, for Eduardo and Jeff and Fawn, for Randy and Liz Carter, for Tammy and her family, and for our friends Kay and Kara, Becky, Angie, Jane, Karen, Tom, Phil, Barbara, Bob, and others we name to you in silence. Heal and help these your servants, O Lord, and for those whose faith has dwindled or who have no faith in you, we pray that you would kindle such faith in Jesus Christ. Comfort those who are cast down and faint of heart amidst the sorrows and difficulties of this world. Grant that by the comfort and power of the Holy Spirit, they may be enabled to go on their way rejoicing and give continual thanks for your sustaining providence. Bless our search committee as it prepares to look for a new pastor. And as your church, may we teach others your word and the good news of Jesus Christ. May this society be transformed by the proclamation of the gospel in the presence of your church. These prayers we make to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us present our gifts and offerings to the Lord.
very dedicating and offering. Let's be prayer speaking in bold. Ever blessed and gracious God, who in the abundance of their goodness does always give us more than we desire or dare to ask, pour forth upon us, we beseech you, a spirit of thankfulness, and increase in us that most blessed grace of charity, that we may always be more willing to give than to receive, and so rule our hearts that all we have may be used for your services, and we ourselves be consecrated to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us pray our prayer for illumination. Father, you have given us your word, and with it, the power of your, the help of your spirit to receive it and to understand it, to trust in it. We pray that as we hear your word this morning, as it is living and active and powerful, that it would, in fact, refresh and renew us, that it would transform and sustain us so that we would be more whole, more free, and more joyous because of your goodness, which you've shown in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our reading begins in Isaiah. Chapter 65. Beginning in verse 17. For behold, I create... A new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. 
For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And now our Psalter response from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs as thanks to the of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Turn to our epistle reading in Philippians. Chapter three, verse twelve and following. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, 
and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Our Gospel reading in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord. There's a goal that lies before us, before us who are united to Jesus Christ. There's an end point, a completion that explodes all expectations. A goal that makes the utopian vision of Francis Bacon and modern science look like child's play. It is more wonderful than a ribbon stretched across a finish line. More satisfying than the top privileged position in your career. This is the goal that is laid before us in Jesus Christ. Now, the prophets hinted at it with their beautifully strange word pictures, such as in our first scripture reading, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, says the Lord, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Or there's another way that is pictured, similar way in Isaiah, that says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." These are pictures intended to evoke a certain imagination, a certain uh, mind, if you will, or, or, or picture or view of the things that God has set before us. The revelation of John envisions the goal for us with, its, with his startling language. He speaks of this vast multitude of men and women from every nation, tribe, and language standing in white robes before the throne of the Lamb. And on that throne is Jesus Christ. He who sits upon the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne shall be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Beautiful, beautiful pictures of what God has in store. 
of, of this goal that God has for us. And then there's Paul's own victorious proclamation of this goal. He bursts into it various times in his letters, but here's one. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable and this mortal nature must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the goal that God has set for those who are joined to Jesus Christ. This goal is not one of our goals that inevitably fails to measure up and is never complete and always begs for more. God's goal for us in Christ is so full and comprehensive that Paul calls it a heavenly commonwealth. The city of God, perfect in justice, righteousness, and peace. All along, while we are walking the path of Christ, it's lying there before us, in front of us. Now, we can't see it. It's just out of sight, yet it's, it's there. It's there like a beautiful kingdom without greed and evil, hate, disfigured relationships, pollution, war, poverty, and selfishness, secured for us by Jesus Christ. It's like trekking along a trail, and up ahead... Around the twists and turns lies a gorgeous, pure lake. And you know it's there because people have told you about the lake, and the map shows you the way to it. You can hear the river spilling out of the lake, and the contours of the land indicate the likelihood of a place where a lake would be. And so you keep moving forward, anticipating your destination. Jesus Christ has a goal for us. Now, even after 2,000 years of theology and biblical study, we have not reached it yet. We all must heed Paul's words, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Scripture puts a quick end to any thoughts that might have entered our heads that we have arrived at our goal in Christ. And if we stop and think about it, we should know better as Christians. But unfortunately, many Christians do think that they have arrived, at least to some degree, at that goal. Scripture knocks down any notion that we're done, that we can sit down along the way in the cool green grass under the big blue sky and just bask in the sun which we have not seen for a few weeks. (laughs) It shatters the misconception that the running is over now and we may take our gold medal and head home and just place it on our trophy shelf. And so, while modern improvements may extend the average life from 70 years to 75 and raise enough food to feed every man, woman, and child on the planet and improve the quality of drinking water. These are all good and noble accomplishments. And while personally there may be an end to certain sins in our lives or we reach a greater level of patience or we give away all our possessions to the poor and after we relinquish all of the privileges like Paul did, whose privileges and accomplishments were exceptional, and after we have exerted all of our influence and raised our children and maybe started charitable organizations and written our memoirs, and after we have finished our careers and can smile at the memories of our best work, we're not there yet. We have not reached 
our end point in Jesus Christ. It still lies there before us in Christ. The heavenly goal is certified and guaranteed by Christ who fulfills all the promises of God. He has risen from the dead and there he is ahead of us seated in the glory of God. It is surely ahead of us because Jesus Christ has gone all the way before us. From the beginning to end, Jesus has set the way to our goal. The goal lies before us and we cannot see it, but we need not fear. Jesus has opened the way to it and he leads us to it. Our goal still lies before us because it is Christ's goal for us, not our own goal for Christ. And there's a world of difference between those two things. It's Christ's goal for us, not our own goal for Christ. If we set the goal, then it is our goal for God. If we're the ones who set it, it's our goal for God. It's the destiny we choose. It's the end point that we set. And suddenly, when that happens, it all becomes vapid like wisps of smoke floating in the sky that are caught in the breeze and dissipate into the air. The goals we set, even the ones we think are the best ones for God, cannot be reached. We wander around trying this and trying that in order to reach our goals, and we never arrive. It's like a mirage of water on the road. Just when we think we're going to splash through it, it's gone. And then it reappears ahead of us in the distance, and the same thing happens again. There's a song. It's a one-hit wonder created by the new wave rock group Modern English that expresses the confidence that we can set our own ultimate goals. And these are some of the lyrics. I'll stop the world and melt with you. You've seen the difference, and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I won't do. I'll stop the world and melt with you. The future's wide open. The future's wide open. Now, this song became a hit in the United States in 1983. They're an English uh, rock group. And it has been re-recorded several times. Most recently, it was re-recorded in 2010. And it's among the top 500 songs ever played on United States radio. And all of this is to say it resonates with our society. Our society tends to believe that the future is wide open. We can go where we want to go, and hopefully together we want to go to something better than what we have now in this world. It's not about a destination that draws us forward. It's about us pushing ourselves into the future. The gospel tells us that the future is not wide open. God has set a goal for us in Jesus Christ. Christ, who is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, dead, and buried, who then was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, Christ's resurrection life is the goal that's set before us, and it is there as surely as Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. God sets this goal for us who are joined to Jesus Christ. And so we are striving forward to God's goal, not our own goal. We are still pressing forward to our goal in Christ. The words of one of our hymns says it, Uh, says it well, and we're going to sing it later, but it says, Yes, on through life's long path, still chanting as we go, from youth to age, by night and day, in gladness and in woe. At last the march shall end, the wearied ones shall rest, the pilgrims find their father's house, Jerusalem the blessed. Our Psalter response also 
refers to this or has a line in it that, that works well with this. It says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. We Christians are pressing on. We are straining forward to what lies ahead. But why do we do so? Why do we press on when some of the goals we thought belonged to God turn out to be only our own goals? Why do we continue on when other Christian people disappoint us and maybe even mistreat us? Why do we listen again and again to the word of God and give up indulging ourselves? Is it because we're so tenacious, pushing on with every ounce of our strength, determined to grab that prize? No, it is not. It's not because of your own stamina. That's not what Paul was telling the Philippian church. Yes, Paul presses on. He is straining forward. The way of Christ is demanding. Every fiber of your being will be stretched. But Paul tells the church, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. The goal of Christ has drawing power. It's like a mother standing on the porch of her house calling and calling for her children who come running to her. It's a call that draws us forward like the current in a river. The call of God in Jesus Christ never falls silent but speaks out to us again and again saying, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He calls us unceasingly just like he did his first disciples, saying, follow me. And what did they do? You heard the story from the gospel. They immediately began to follow him. The call of Jesus Christ, the goal of Jesus Christ has drawing power. It draws. God's call begins our movement in this world to that end point in Christ. It doesn't just have a beginning. It has an end. Movement toward the goal of Jesus Christ. Moving forward, pressing on until we come to our goal in Christ Being drawn forward by God's call, we will feel the wind in our faces because it will not let us stand still. We are drawn forward as we press on to the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. The goal in Christ is before us, but there are other goals that we might have instead of Christ. Earth-bound goals. Earthly things, that's what the apostle calls them in our lesson from Philippians, Those things that keep you fixed in place in this sinful world. It's like a big old comfy chair that makes you just sit. Sitting there, not moving on to your goal in Christ. When you think the future is wide open, you will expect to have a vast array of great goals. Here are a couple examples of earthbound goals. The apostle specifically refers to self-indulgence. Their God is the belly and their glory is, they glory in shame. And self-indulgence is no less common today. There's plenty of advice and examples around for us on how to be dedicated to ourselves. Making yourself happy, learning how to excite your own pleasure, directing to yourself everything you earn, everything you buy, your relationships and your plans. And it's not even a subtle goal that you might have in this world. It's a very uh, overt goal. We regularly hear the message to indulge yourself in every new and fascinating ways, and our society loves to come up with new ways. 
If your goal is self-indulgence, then you will stay in place in this sinful world. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples. He said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You see, there's no self-indulgence there. Self-indulgence is earthbound. It's against the way of the cross. The things bound within this sinful world have an end. The scripture says it's destruction. They have no future. The self-indulgence that so many have set for their goal will not be made complete in Christ. There is something else that's contrary to our goal in Christ, and that is guilt. Guilt is earthbound. You've been baptized in the name of Christ. You have confessed faith in God's salvation in Jesus Christ. You have been joined with the church, that is, the body of Christ. We confess our sin. The Lord's declaration of pardon is spoken to you. You heard it this morning, uh, earlier in the service, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all your sin. And still, we might turn around and look behind us over and over again. Looking back at the things we have done wrong, looking back at past mistakes and failures. And if we look behind us all the time, then we cannot move forward very well to our goal in Christ. It's like a runner who looks behind him or herself all the time. And when you do that, you're liable to trip and fall or crash into something. Paul tells the church to be imitators of him. And we're part of the church. That includes us. Be imitators of him. Paul looks forward to our goal in Christ. He says, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's past could have turned his attention backwards. He had many things, like we all do in his past. We know some of those things, and some of them were horrible, like persecuting the church. But he had, he had confessed these things, he had repented of them, and he was pressing on because Jesus Christ had made him his own. Paul tells us to imitate him. Keep your heart and mind forward on Christ. Press on looking toward the goal of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you have confessed your sin, you're forgiven. Christ is your goal. We shall be made complete in him. So press on looking to Christ. Now this world is full of people who do not believe that there is an ultimate destination in Jesus Christ. The most extreme examples are the atheists like Richard Dawkins who believe we are up against a pointless and meaningless existence. The universe has no purpose. What we have here is all there is and there's no meaning to it. Now one of the popular answers to this pointless existence, a popular, uh, just a general answer, is that we must superimpose meaning on the essentially random and purposeless purposeless universe. We need to superimpose meaning. We need to come up with meaning and, and lay it on top of this random and purposeless universe. Human beings demand meaning, and so we must make our own meaning and lay it on top of the randomness and the purposelessness. It's like laying a beautiful painting or some nice essay on top of a senseless, random, accidental death. And according to this solution, we have to revolt against the absurdity of living in a purposeless world. But this answer 
does not explain why human beings must find purpose for life. Why is it that we have this strong desire, this demand for meaning and purpose? It doesn't explain that, but the Christian faith does. Augustine put it this way, he said, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you, O God. We have a yearning for God that's like a homing instinct for heaven. Created in the image of God, we have a deep desire for the purpose and meaning that God gives to his creation and the goal he has set for it. People in this world are wandering around trying to make sense of their lives and the world we live in, but they lack Christ and the ultimate purpose that he gives to us. And one of those people was a guy named Alistair McGrath. He tells the story of his conversion. He was an atheist and was highly educated in science. He strongly believed the world was meaningless and purposeless. He says, I was perfectly happy to accept a bleak outlook to life. But then he discovered that faith in Christ, the Christian faith in Christ, and he believed it was right. And he, he is someone who's an intellectual, and so it, ha, it needed to be shown to him that it was reasonable and made more sense than all the other uh, ways of, of thinking about this world. And he went on, it wasn't just a, a mental, a intellectual thing for him, he went on and found that it makes the most sense of reality, but also that it has tremendous imaginative and emotional depth. And he says, I was like someone who believes there's only stagnant pond water to drink, who then discovers champagne. There are so many people who are lost, wandering through life, who are not headed to the final goal of Jesus Christ. When you meet people who are wandering and have no ultimate purpose, tell them you have found a wonderful goal for your life. Tell them you are headed somewhere and it gives you purpose and meaning for living in this world. Tell them it is a strange goal because it draws you to itself. Tell them it is God's destination for us in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty Father, everlasting God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity to us who have strayed away from you and try to create our own ultimate goals. And yet, your grace and mercy are beyond all measure, and you've granted that to us through Jesus Christ. We pray that as we run to obtain the promises set before us, because you call us forth, may we attain the goal that is set before us in Jesus Christ. Through the same Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please stand. Let us confess our faith. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our hymn as we prepare to come to the Lord's table is number 598, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
pray with me the prayer of bulletin for this offering. Most merciful Father, who sees the needs of all your creatures and graciously cares for them, and you have graciously given to us out of the abundance of your love, even while we lay helpless in our sin. So now we pray that these gifts may be given with our arms outstretched in the love of Christ to those in need. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ with that great call to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus took bread on the, the night before he was uh, crucified. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after supper, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. So we receive Christ as he makes himself known in Scripture, sermon, and sacrament. And having again heard the voice of Christ in Scripture and sermon, let us now come to his table and receive his gifts. We need to understand these gifts are, this is set before us, which tells us that we're not the ones that create the sacrament. God gives it to us, and Jesus Christ has instituted it, and it's set, it's uh, rooted in his uh, life and death given for us. We need to understand, this is like you, what you might say, food for the journey. It's, it's the sacrament we need to receive regularly so that we can be nourished and strengthened by Christ, uh, by his grace so that we might continue to press on towards that goal that we have in Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's table. He invites us to feast with him. And those who come to this holy meal promise to trust and love and obey him as the Lord of every realm of life and to live in love and concern for each other. All who have been baptized, who have professed faith publicly in Jesus Christ and are communicant members of a Christian church are welcome to come and join us in this feast with our Lord. Join with me in giving thanks to God for our new life and our salvation in Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is our duty, our joy, and our great delight at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. A thanks we give through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We bless you for your continual love and care for every creature and the many, many examples of that that we witness every day, every week. We praise you for forming us in your image and calling us to be your people. We thank you that you did not abandon us in our rebellion against your love, but sent prophets and teachers to lead us into the way of salvation. We thank you for the Apostle Paul who taught your church and, and pointed us to Jesus Christ. Above all, we thank you for sending Jesus, your Son, to deliver us from the way of sin and death by the obedience of his life, by suffering upon the cross, and by his resurrection from the dead. We praise you that he now reigns with you in glory and ever lives to pray for us, and not only to intercede for us, but to set for us that great goal that we have of eternal life with you in heaven. 
We thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth, defends us in adversity, and out of every nation unites us into one holy church. And so, with the whole host of your people and who have gone into heaven and the angels in heaven, we worship and glorify you, God most holy, and we sing with joy, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise your name in earth and sky and sea. We give thanks to God, to you, O God, our Father, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that before he suffered, he gave us this the memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. And we do as he commands. We proclaim that our Lord Jesus was sent by the Father into the world, that he took upon himself our flesh and blood and bore the wrath of God against our sin. We confess that he was condemned to die, but that, he, that, that we might be pardoned and suffer death that we might live. We proclaim that he is risen to make us right with you, O God, and that he shall come again in the glory of his new creation. And we do this now, and we do it until he comes again. Heavenly Father, show forth among us the presence of your life-giving word and Holy Spirit. Sanctify us and your whole church with the sacrament. Grant that all who share the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, may be one in him, and may remain faithful in love and hope. And as this grain, this bread has been gathered from many fields into one loaf, and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your holy church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, and we offer our thanksgiving with one voice and say together, Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you to do this in remembrance of me. And he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me.
Jesus said, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of him, so he who eats me will live because of me. Take and eat this bread and drink this cup, and remember Christ's body and blood. Give it for you. Receive it with faith and thanksgiving. Take and eat and drink. Let us pray. God of all glory and grace, you graciously feed us who have received these gifts with the bread of life and the cup of eternal salvation, all sealed in Jesus Christ. May we who have received the sacrament be strengthened in your service. We who have sung your praises tell of your glory and truth. We who have heard the greatness of your love see you face to face in your kingdom. For you have made us your own people by the death and resurrection of your Son, our Lord, and by the life-giving power of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our final hymn is number 604, Rejoice in Pure in Heart.
fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you all now and forever. Amen. Good morning, everybody, and uh, please be seated. I uh, do have uh, several things to, uh, to share uh, this morning. So um, uh, beginning with, uh, you have uh, in your hand in the Life Together um, um, handout uh, all the usual things, but wanted to point out the baby bottle boomerang continues. Until when, Mrs. Roberts, do we know? We have two more weeks to participate in the Baby Bottle Boomerang. Uh, always fun to say. And uh, so if uh, I think there are still bottles available for you to uh, donate to the, uh, the CareNet Center um, with that. Um, wanted to just pass on a couple of, uh, I guess, little updates slash prayer requests from uh, the Oakland County Jail where uh, we continue to participate in... Um, ministry there. So a um, couple of, of quick stories. I know I, I always talk about uh, just specifically praying for um, for the inmates. Once they get out, uh, many of them have a, um, a really hard time transitioning to being out. Uh, they're kind of surrounded by some of the same people and influences that, um, that perhaps got them in in the first place. But uh, one of the other volunteers there, another uh, man from another church, was telling me a story that uh, was... Um, just a, a disheartening sort of story that he had uh, been meeting with this with this particular inmate a couple of weeks ago, and had been meeting with him one on one, and he was so excited to get out the next day, and he got out the next day, and then um, the the man saw in the paper that uh, five days later he was found uh, deceased and frozen in a warehouse in Detroit, and it was like. Man, um, so disheartening one there. Um, also passing on a, a prayer request specifically from an inmate uh, that I, I had never met before, but uh, his name is Max, um, and uh, was really um, kind of broke down um, after, uh, after the little service on, on Friday. And basically what some of these guys run into, and I, I, this is, I have no idea you know, the degree to which anybody's guilty. Most of them say that they're, they're not guilty of what they're accused of. But um, Max was saying that uh, he's basically facing a situation where he's accused of something extreme, extremely serious um, that uh, if convicted he'd be probably sentenced to decades. Um, but he, he's been offered this plea bargain that if he pleads guilty to this other thing that it could be just 10 months, which in his case would probably be time served. And um, he's just really struggling because he says they want you know they tell me if I if I plead guilty to this thing that I 
that I didn't do um, or, you know, that I'm not guilty of. Um, but if I falsely confess in his mind, um, I, can, I can leave, you know, right away. Um, but if I you know, kind of take my chances on this other thing, I'll probably never see my parents again. I'll probably not, you know. So it's, um, anyway, he was really struggling, and I, I told him that I would pass on that, that request. So if you would pray for Max uh, to have wisdom and insight and peace about um, I think a lot of them kind of face this this sort of um, you know getting getting charged for something really big and being asked to to plead down and um, you know, guilty or not. I think uh, for for Christians, it's uh, a challenge to know, you know the right thing to do in terms of uh, confessing to things. So anyway, if you would pray for Max, that would be uh, welcome. Um, you had an update you wanted to share, right? Yes, um, many of you will remember Ron came here. He never joined, but he came pretty regularly for a year or two. Um, came to the Bible study, came to worship here, and then he disappeared. So he came, showed up at my at the door this last week, and it was great to see him. We talk, talked for a while, and he wanted me to convey to you there was nothing here, no person, nothing that uh, is why he dropped off. Um, he had a number of major personal problems going on, and those have kind of resolved themselves. Um, he is now going to a church down the road called Kingdom Builders. Uh, it's down across from Lawrence Tech. And uh, he just, I said, well, you're always welcome to come back. He might show up sometime. Um, but I just wanted you to know how he's doing, and it was nice to see him come back and kind of clear the plate, if you will. Um, so that I, I told him I would relay that to you. Um, I do have a couple last things, but are there any announcements from... Anyone else before I do? Yes, Mr. Roberts. Uh, just uh, two quick announcements. I have statements for uh, people that have uh, given for 23, and then also I'm looking to have the audit next Saturday at 10 o'clock at my place. All right. All right, so uh, p- pleased to see that Roberts is uh, restored to full health after, uh, after their bout with COVID. Um, two announcements from uh, Mr. Roberts and his capacity as treasurer um, that uh, he has giving statements for 2023, for those of you who need those um, for uh, tax purposes, and also that the audit is uh, scheduled, uh, uh, hopefully, to take place next Saturday. Um, finally, if I could have... Um, John and Stephen come up. Uh, we wanted to belatedly thank our, uh, those who help our, our joyful noises to sound as joyful as they can be. Um, uh, of course, Mark Mesner would be included in that list, but he's somewhere in Brazil or Portugal or somewhere between. But uh, to Stephen and John, um, on behalf of the congregation, thank you so much for um, the joyful noises that you, that you make and for uh, keeping our worship um, uh, there's just a steadiness as someone who's tried to schedule unknown third-party pianists uh, from outside the congregation and seen the, the results. Thank you, f- at least from the bottom of my heart and, and I imagine from most of us. So thank you. Um, and finally... Um, 
So another, another even more perhaps belated thing, but uh, due to scheduling and vacations and congregational meeting, uh, we never actually formally presented our, our Christmas gift uh, to, uh, to Jeff and, and Heidi. Uh, Heidi's not here, but we're not prolonging it anymore. I figure if the, if the 12 days of Christmas are good, then perhaps the 34 days of Christmas are even better. So um, Jeff, thank you so much for your, uh, your guidance of us uh, for, for another year. and. Uh, Wishing you, on behalf of us all, a, a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, I, I imagine my wife right now is watching this. She's with my mother in South Carolina, and uh, I think probably unable to go anywhere else for worship. So she's probably talking, and we can't see her hand. Or <laughs> uh, but thank you very much. You've always, you've always been very gracious and kind. Um, and we, uh, I've always, maybe I've said this before, I always thought if I were to write a book, I'd put in the front, you know, your names or Congregation of Providence or PC because I just feel like we've grown together over all these years and um, you've shaped me as much as I've, you know, hopefully had a good influence on you. And, um, and so thank you very much. And now let us grow together around some snacks and coffee.